this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Morning. My name is Brennan Edwards. I'm a member of the youth group here, and today I stand here so that we may share in our faith together. However, before this moment, I had to ask myself, what is the point? Which strength lies within our faith that we share? So if you would, please turn to Luke 17, 11, 19 for our reading. Now, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. In summary, Jesus was on his travels as normal. At this point in his life, he had gained quite a bit of renown as a holy healer and rabbi. Conversely, The lepers had notoriety as filthy, dangerously contagious people. They were shunned, banished, and dehumanized. They cannot touch another person because they would also be considered unclean. They cannot participate in the rites and rituals of their cultures. And they could scarcely own land or property as a result of their circumstances. So here they were, the absolute dregs of society, barely above slaves, and one of the most important men of their day, Jesus Christ. Following within the constraints of their society, they stood at a distance from him while they spoke, as to not make him unclean. And Jesus, with only his words, said, Show yourselves to your priests, and as they went, they were healed. But it was only the one who came back, the Samaritan, who came back in praise. Jesus asked, almost sardonically to me, where the other nine were. And then Jesus told him to rise, for his faith has made him well. So, what is the difference between the one and the nine? Both were cleansed and sent on their way. Both received the healing of God, and yet only one was made well. It is my belief that what the one received was beyond healing. Whereas the nine received the healing of Christ, the one understood a new way of living. He discovered a new path, one that walks with Christ not for what he gives us, whether that be the reward of healing, security, or even heaven, for the mutual love between man and God. When people plant trees for shade they will never receive, that is what brings us closer to each other and to God. This way of living exists in several different forms. For example, I've had the absolute pleasure of working with Miss Mary Haley on my Eagle Project and officially establishing this church as an arboretum. It has been truly inspiring to see how much she cared for the church, and I have been blessed to work with a woman of such zeal and passion. She has been an integral part of my scouting career and has become someone I am honored to call a friend and a mentor. 
And as massive as her help was, not every good act you must take must be grand. A kind word to a stranger you don't know may uplift them for the rest of the day. Making yourself available in the community benefits everyone. And expressing gratitude helps reinforce the value of good actions that other people take. And the point of it all is that it is not about you. In order to lift each other as high as possible and be closest to God, we have to acknowledge that the good actions we take are not so that we can be in someone else's good graces, or even so we can say that we did something good with our lives. It is so that we can do something good for someone else. Our actions, big or small, have meaning, and by living out our actions for each other, we create a better world for the love of our fellow man and for the love of God. In my own life, I have been blessed to be a part of this church's youth group, and at the end of each meeting, we pass around a candle and are given the options to talk about what's on our mind and pray. And while I've ever only done so twice, the reminder of this love of the love of this church is a gentle push in the right direction for me. Every time we light that candle, I am reminded of the selfless love that we have for each other. When that candle is lit, the church does not do so because I am going to help them in return. The church does not do so because they want to make an investment in me. The church does so because they love me. And so, that leper Samaritan had that love and gratitude for Christ within him. He went back to Jesus' feet in praise and worship, and from there he entered into a better life. His life afterward had not been made better as a result of any physical gift, at least no more than the other nine. He had not been guaranteed any special status or award of any kind, but instead he gave himself to Christ for no other reason than love. And in turn, we are called to walk with Christ, with compassion and mercy, so that we may lift each other closer to God. In Jesus' name, amen. With this story, I tend to take away a different moral. While Brennan relates more to the nature of the blessing the lepers receive, I am much more interested in the second half of the encounter, which is the public expression in response to an interaction with Christ. Although all ten lepers have the same encounter, the nine who choose to deny a public expression of faith may be deemed as lesser. But was their experience any different? I cannot condemn the nine by denying an expression of faith in that moment because I believe that their gratitude is just as likely to come at a later date as it was in that moment. I take that stance because I feel like it mirrors my own journey with Christ in a lot of ways. Last week, I was hit with one of those phrases that are normally just a passing comment to everyone else in service. And I look around wondering, is anyone else going to ask any questions? And it's just kind of brushed past, not elaborated on, but it's one of those things that kind of eats away at you during the week and you wonder what it means. Someone who's really good at these phrases is Eric Nance Whaler and should be given a lot of credit for every speech I've written in the last year because he always manages to hit me with one of these philosophical statements and I joke with my friends that Eric finds a way to change my life every Wednesday. But he can't get credit for this one. The phrase was, what a challenge, what an opportunity. I like to think that when the nine simply kept moving, they were overcome with the challenge of either pride or excitement for their healing, that they missed one of those picturesque opportunities to show thankfulness. But I'm sure we've all had those moments when you look back and you just want to smack yourself for missing that chance where you could have been a better reflection 
of the love of Christ. Earlier this year, I thought, you know, senior year, big man on campus, and I thought I could just act however I wanted without consequence. I didn't want to challenge myself to be a better person because it was easier to just do what I wanted. In simple terms, I was not treating my peers how I would want to be treated. And I think about the relationships that I deconstructed by not challenging myself to take the opportunity that I believe God was providing me. But the first step to correcting our mistakes is acknowledging the problem. When I was able to acknowledge my transgressions and realize that my actions do have consequences on those around me, I think that's when I was able to start moving to be the person that I want to be. However, I think that acknowledgement comes at a cost. I imagine the lepers watching the one go back to Jesus, and there has to be some kind of hidden shame about that. You know, when you watch one of your peers kind of steal your thunder. It kind of shuts you off from pursuing anything, or maybe even regress in your attitude. All ten lepers were isolated from society before they were healed, but now the nine have to be feeling some kind of hidden spiritual isolation. I really project myself onto the nine in this regard because during what I'm sure is one of the loneliest points in our lives during 2020, I began to really shut myself off spiritually intended to blame God for all the things that I and many others were experiencing. I would openly mock the faith of my peers and was extremely pessimistic. What I think hurts most than anything when I reflect on this time is that despite all of that, some of the best moments of my life came out of that situation because God works in mysterious ways. I was getting to rekindle old friendships, and I was introduced to my love of film during this time, which is now such a driving force in my life. It's almost disheartening to look back on the time that I had so much hate for, because I'll be honest, I feel a lot of shame. Because despite everything that I said and I did, God still provided me those great moments. Even though the lepers don't give thanks to Christ and they isolate themselves from him, they are still provided the hope to return to their normal lives and share this encounter. I've read interpretations of this story where the nine lepers are merely a point of contrast for the one. And all hope for them is and should be completely abandoned. But I think about myself in that position. Because I imagine plenty of people had and should have probably given up hope in me. And I think about how my lowest point, Brendan Edwards invited me to this church. And now despite everything I had said and had done, I was still welcomed by this congregation with open arms. And I was provided friendship and support in a time of need. I think about the church family that God found a way to bring into my life right when I needed it most. And when I was baptized here in January, I was reminded of all the ways I was healed because of that second opportunity that was provided. This congregation taught me that even when the rest of the world has given up hope in us and told us that we've missed that opportunity to turn back and give thanks, if we really reflect on the love of Christ, then we can never miss that opportunity. Thank you.